Hey, this is Sam Whitworth. Hey, this is Will Wheaton. I'm Armin Shimmerman. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin. Hi, this is Aaron McCarty. Hi, this is Mark Pellegrino. And welcome to the FSF Popcast, your home for the all nerdy, no dirty interviews with people in our sci-fi and pop culture world. You can find us on your favorite audio podcast providers, Real Wise Radio, and of course, our YouTube channel. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. What's up, Scuttlebutt Nation? This is Ro from the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us here on this week's episode. We um, last, uh, I think what, but this is going to be episode number 147. 47 episodes ago, we did a uh, our 100th episode with our friends uh, Andrew and Marisha from the sciencefictionary.com. And uh, that was a gangbusters. It was one of those list episodes that everybody loves doing the top 10 top five top whatever Mm -hmm. and uh that thing is still going and uh we wanted to get together again and do another list um episode so i came up with an idea uh the top five heroes in movies of all time and uh this should be uh this should get really interesting Mm -hmm. um but uh, before, obviously, I want to say hello to my friends, Marisha and Andrew. How are you guys? Doing great. Yep, uh, doing thanks for having us all. It's always good to to be here. Excellent. Yeah, it's always nice to have you guys uh, over. It's uh, You guys are like family. For sure. So, you know, before we get into it, you know, um, last week we had, uh, I-, I spoke with uh, a new friend, Scott Riefen. And uh, we actually were going to be talking about um, caped characters in Star Wars movies, but we got really sidetracked because we dis- we, we realized that uh, we liked a lot of the same things. And it was almost like we were separated at birth. We started talking <laughs> about all sorts of things, you know, the comic books that we grew up, uh, old TV shows like Space Giants, uh, the fact that we both are Darth Vader guys, Spider-Man guys, and not the Last Jedi guys. So that was kind of a, a nice little surprise. But before that, we started... Um, we just talked about news uh, in the nerdosphere, the geekosphere, and I wanted to ask you guys: Do you guys have any um, like nerd news that uh, that you have come up on recently on the interwebs? Anything that you guys uh, found interesting? Um, I-, I got one, but I wanted to ask you guys what you guys have. Um, really, kind of the thing in the news right now that's just kind of been—I've been kind of going back and forth over. There's there's some some fun things out there. It's not a lot. It's it's been news that gets kind of slow this time of year, but um, but this stuff with with Ant Man just having released, and we're hearing all this news, and it's kind of been trickling in over the last year that Disney's putting too much pressure on these VFX studios and. Um, I kind of wanted to see what you thought about that because to me, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, Disney's ordering work from private companies. It's not Disney's fault. If the bosses at these VFX companies are taking too much work for their employees to do, Um, like, it seems like 
it seems to me like either those companies need to hire more people or it seems like, because I guess I've discovered there is no union in the VFX world, which is is mind blowing to me. I don't understand how you can be working on movies like this. And not be represented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of want to see what you thought about it because it seems more like it's on the individual companies either not being properly staffed or taking too much work. And and I know there's been attempts by some of these companies to unionize, and then the companies kind of shut them down. Like, but why haven't enough? Like the technology, even though it's it can be a little pricey, but the technology is way more readily available. It's not this is not doing VFX on a movie thirty years ago. Like right. This, this, you can go get the software and do it at home. Sure. Like, why are none of these people that are complaining that are clearly good at what they're doing, creating, a, you know, creating new companies with, you know, that are unionized and, and getting on board with that. Uh, it's, uh, it just seems like Disney's catching the blame and it's really not on Disney. Yeah. That's, um, you know, Ever since, let's see, um, I met a friend of mine who was a visual effects and 3D artist back in the early 90s. And I know a lot of people um, here in Chicago that are are graphic artists. Some of them are 3D artists. I know, um, obviously, our friend Yoshi Vu, who is a a fantastic uh, VFX artist. But there's a few of them here locally that I know. And ever since the 90s, their usual workday has been 12, 13, 16 hour days. And, um, and I think for, for me, in my experience, I think one of the things that visual effects artists are, um, they tend to strive for perfection and that kind of eats, uh, eats them up uh, enough for them to be spending so much time in front of a computer. Um, You know, People think that there's this magic button where you push a button and you hit uh, the let's hit the dinosaur button and it pops up and there you go. Right. I, I think um, you know there's there's a there's a very complicated process to creating these uh, these creatures these effects you know out of nothing in in a big shiny silver box. You have to be yeah. able to you know use a lot of math and and um, you know, ray trace designs and, and texturing and lighting and imaging and all that stuff. And it does eat a lot of time. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, podcasting and content creating, and we're sitting here in front of a microphone and camera. And before you know it, we realize, oh, we've been talking about stuff for like two and a half hours. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can understand, you know, how uh, visual effects artists sit in front of a computer for hours uh, at a time, just trying to get that perfect mm-hmm. look, trying to make mm-hmm. that water look, you know, exactly the, the right way. Uh, you know, and, and it's funny, you should hear them talk and examine and break down some, some effect shots. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, the shadow is not falling correctly. Uh, the, you know, the, the texture on, on this image isn't uh, perfectly aligned and it's stuff that like regular audiences like you and me probably would never ever pick up on. Right. But they are, like I said, they it's it, they're perfectionists. They want to get it right. And when you don't notice something in a movie is when they are kind of like behind the scenes smiling at themselves because they they tricked you, they fooled you. <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as unionizing, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, and, and that also goes with the individual companies, like you said, you know, they're, uh, you know, companies are known for wanting to do more with less yeah. and, nice. you know, visual effects companies are, are, are not, um, you know, free of that, uh, of that, um, process no, I mean, that business. absolutely. I mean, you got to make money, but yeah. you know, you can't run a business if you're not making money contrary to popular belief, but you also have to pay people. Yeah, it, sure. It's, um, I mean, the thing is, as carefully regulated as the movie industry is these days, and there's always push for more controls and, you know, shorter work hours and all the things. I mean, it's it's a demanding industry, which is why there's so many safeguards in place for crew um, and, and casts. It's just insane to me that visual effects at post-production manages have managed to skate by without getting any kind of representation like that yeah it is interesting i think uh you know you've got actors you've got uh, you know news anchors you've got you know guys like me photographers camera guys uh unions all over the place and it mm -hmm. it is very surprising and you know i think one of the biggest things obviously is um I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, there was a group of uh, reporters in Chicago that have finally unionized. And I, I think, you know, I, I talk with them from time to time because I'm very active in that field. You know, they there's a fear um, of uh, retribution. And I know there are laws against it, but companies do sometimes a lot of times mm -hmm. get away with uh, with stuff. And I yeah. think a lot of people just don't like to rock the boat. Right. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is I don't know what the turnaround is for, you know, young people to get into that field. Um, I'm assuming that it's a lot like gaming, you know, the gaming uh, uh, field. I had I had a good friend that was, you know, moved out to uh, Seattle and was making video games. That's what she wanted to do. A really good artist. But, you know, those companies, they hire up when they get a project. And when that project's done, they lay everybody off. Yeah. There's no, no stability. I got to talk to my son about it. Cause that's what he wants to get into. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I'm sure there are good companies too. to work for, but, um, there are plenty of bad ones apparently. Sure. And, and, you know, it's one of those things. If you're good enough, you, you get laid off and you go right onto the next one. The tech sector seems to be heavily that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I know people that work in tech and, you know, traditionally, you didn't bounce from job to job, right? It looked bad on a resume. It looked bad on your work history to just sure. from job to job. Yeah. But that's what they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how they move up is bounce from job to job. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it has changed. And I mean, I've worked for myself for 20 years. And so I, I'm kind of out of touch with just the general way that stuff works. I mean. I, I'll work an 80 hour week sometimes, but I, that's, it's self-inflicted. Sure. Yeah, of course. I, I know there, I know that, uh, for sure. We're, uh, coming up on 30 years of, uh, my business will be 30 years old next year. Wow. Start started in 1994. I just did the math the other day and I was like, holy crap, <laughs> three decades. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so um, one of the other pieces of news that I uh, have been kind of following, um, especially uh, comments on Twitter, um, 
our boy uh, Liam Neeson is uh, going around saying that uh, the uh, Star Wars uh, IP has been watered down. It's not special anymore. There's too many spinoffs. Um, and uh, it, 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 makes, uh, it makes Star Wars a little less special. And um, I had a nice little dialogue between uh, myself and, and some other accounts uh, talking about this. Um, and I wanted to get your take uh, on on Liam Neeson's comments. What do you what do you guys think about that? He's a brilliant actor. <laughs> but he's a really great actor. <laughs> but also, he's like seventy, and things move at a different pace now than they did fifty years ago. Sure. Um, and I think that. The way that people has consumed the way that people consume media has changed. And I think that a lot of times you hear a lot of times really well-respected directors and actors saying things like this. And sometimes I'm like, because your glory days are 40 years ago. Right. You know, like whenever they were doing their most notable work, um, they, I, th I don't think that they understand how people consume media anymore. And I think that, you know, things like spinoff TV shows used to spinoffs were kind of not really well thought of, um, but it's, it's really become a staple of entertainment. And just because something's a spinoff doesn't mean that it can't be just as good as it's, it's parent product. So. I, I don't I don't tend to buy it. Um, not that I've loved everything that Star Wars has done, sure. but I don't think that there's too much of it is the problem. Yeah. Well, no, and that that's where I was gonna go with mine is I, I'm gonna give the same answer that I've been giving on Star Wars. I'm gonna give the same answer I've been giving on Marvel stuff or superhero stuff in general. People don't get tired of good storytelling. They don't. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you go back and you look, I mean, we still tell stories that are thousands of years old. Like, like you go back and look at at all of the popular mythologies from, from the Greeks and Romans and, and that era, we, we still tell those stories because people love those stories. Um, so I, I don't, I don't buy it. First of all, with star Wars, with Marvel, I think you can start to go, maybe they started moving a little too fast. And, it, and it's harming the quality because mostly because I feel like they're having to put people who may be pulling writers they wouldn't pull if they weren't doing quite so many. That, that they're diluting the writer pool too much. Right. But at the same time, like I'm looking at Star Wars and going, there's not that much. You have right. you've, you've made, they've owned it. What year did they, did Disney buy Star Wars? No, oh, I don't know. I, I think I blanked out during that. <laughs> but they, but they bought, but they've made five movies. Two thousand seven. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's you know, there's more. You're right. There's more MCU stuff than Star Wars stuff. And we yeah. never said when there were count. I mean, when when the when the um, expanded universe was at its height, mm -hmm. they were cranking out books and comics so fast. Sure. And we never once said, "Oh no, they're diluting the." The brand, yeah. The brand. Like, we ate every bit of that stuff up. So y your assertion, which I agree, that nobody gets tired of, of good stories. 
So are you saying now people are kind of like, you know, a little weary and, and, and tired of these, uh, run of the mill stories. And obviously, like I said, you know, you guys know my feeling on some of the star Wars products and some yeah. of the star Wars programs that we've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, n- not the best kind of writing, um, not the best stories out there. And I think, you know, for me personally, I think that problem does dilute the brand because you're not, you're not at a level that, that, you know, a lot of diehard fans like myself really would love to see Star Wars always on a high, always up there, always top tier entertainment. And it hasn't been. Um, and obviously, I'm a lot more passionate about the Star Wars than the MCU. Uh, you know, I, I think superhero movies, although there are a lot of them, I think they're probably... I want to venture to say there are probably a lot more, you know, really good or decent Marvel stories than there are, you know, crappy ones. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, you have 52 movies that have made a billion dollars and 10 of them are Marvel films. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I don't think the problem is necessarily the volume. Of Star Wars, it's just the writing decision. The story. No, I think they've been they've too experimental with it. it. I think Star Wars had a proven formula, and they they yeah. don't want to use it. Yeah, and that's interesting too because, you know, I recently said in a uh, in a group chat somewhere that uh, you know for me Andor was really it, it was it was top tier entertainment, top tier yes. drama. Yeah. Um, not just Star Wars, but it was a well-written story. Um, and and I felt like, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's not Star Wars for me. It doesn't have X, Y and Z. So it, it, it just doesn't feel like Star Wars. And I understand that there were no Sith. There were no lightsabers. But you have to remember that, you know, I, I think you know, telling a story within that galaxy far, far away, you know, there are times when you're going to have to kind of go off the fringe uh, areas and see mm-hmm. how people are dealing with the stuff that we know is happening in that world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think Andor did it brilliantly. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I, I, I think what I, what I was trying to say is that I had positioned Andor as a series that had to happen in order for star Wars to evolve uh, in a way that, you know, maybe if it, I don't know, maybe if it did stick to the formula time and time again, you know, it would be, it would get stale. It would get boring. Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 as far yeah. as that goes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about that, but I think, you know, you're, you're right. They have done some strange experiments on, on star Wars. Some have worked others, not so much. Yeah. Um, well, but it, you know, well, you know, Mandalorian breaks the formula a little bit too, but it works. Yeah. Uh, Mandalorian and Andor, you know, and Andor, I was real mixed on it until we got about halfway through. And now I love it uh, because the last five episodes are some of the best Star Wars. Sure. Um, And then, you know, the Mandalorian, I I would say those two are peak Star Wars. Uh, Those are the measuring stick for the TV series. And that was really the problem with Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett is they don't measure up to those two that, you know, they don't measure up to those other two. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to the uh, our first topic about special effects and stuff, um, I was reading I was reading a little bit about who did the special effects for these other shows, um, 
Book of Boba Fett and Kenobi versus Andor. And there are different special effects companies. And I would think mm-hmm. that it was all just ILM because ILM needs to have that, yeah. that, you know, they know Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But Book of Boba Fett was done by another company, two, three yeah. other companies. Uh, wow. Obi-Wan Kenobi was, was uh, another company as well. And, you know, you mm-hmm. can kind of, you can kind of tell. Um, uh, you know, and obviously the writing um, of all those shows are like just all over the place. They are. Um, I feel like I feel like Mandalorian works because of Filoni's involvement. Because you have somebody that really just understands Star Wars. Yeah, like at its core. And John Favreau is, you know, a really good director. Has a what came as a shock to everybody at when it when he first took off. One of the best directors out there. I mean, sure. he's, you know, if you look at the 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 stuff he's done, uh, I mean, he's got a one hell of a resume. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think with those two working there, that works really well. And then, uh, and then Andor, you know, was really, really well made. Um, everything about Andor was well made. I think though, the, the, the thing that, that Andor and that, um, Mandalorian have going that the other, the other story, the other series didn't necessarily end the prequel trilogy, I would argue as well was they had a really clear story that they were telling and everything fit into the story. Um, and the story was good. Um, and I think that that was not that there weren't things that I didn't love about Kenobi or about, um, Boba Fett, but the story was a little bit less compelling at just as, you know, here's this season. Um, I don't think that the stories were as well thought out and just as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I think that most of my complaints with Star Wars have been that the stories have not been as well planned out as they could have been. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's my biggest complaint as well. Well, I mean, you know, we waited how long for a Kenobi show. So sure. long. And yeah. Like, instead of telling a Kenobi story, we decided that we needed to tell Kenobi and another person's story. And a brand new person that no one had any vested interest in. Everybody tuned in to see Kenobi because of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Absolutely. And that's all it should have been. And that's not a slight at Reva's character. I think that character has potential, but it didn't, it didn't need to happen in that show. Yeah. Um, That show, that was a that was a wasted opportunity to me. That's my biggest gripe with that show. And then book of Boba Fett, you just got a Boba Fett that doesn't, you know, we saw Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two, which occurs after book of Boba Fett. Well, the, that, that Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two doesn't really match up well with the Boba Fett from book of Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. Again, that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons we tuned in to the book of Boba Fett was to see that guy over there, you know, and it didn't happen. And and I do think they did some interesting things. Sure. But you know, I didn't need, I didn't need Boba Fett to be silly. Um, There's some characters that just don't work silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boba Fett's always been a very serious character. That was what was so compelling about him. You know, this character that we knew nothing about who just kind of stands menacingly in the background. And and then suddenly we want to kind of have him just being goofy. <laughs> and, you know, it's, 
I do think they're really great, compelling ideas in Book of Boba Fett. And Tim but Morrison I, is funny. Yeah. And sure. he doesn't, you don't have to, we don't have to be funny. You can also be funny without being goofy. Sure. Yeah. And you know how I feel about my comedy in Star Wars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, getting back to uh, spinoffs, one of my favorite spinoffs, and this will show my age, a uh, spinoff that was actually better or as good as the original. You got Happy Days and Mork and Mindy. That's yeah. exactly actually the, <laughs> what a reference I was thinking Yeah, of. there are there are some good ones. Uh, that's a good one. You had Frasier that spun off of Cheers. And right. There are some successful ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Mostly t- more TV shows, though, than um, movies. Yeah, yeah. A lot fewer... Yeah. A lot, a lot lower success rate in movie spinoffs than in TV spinoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Let's um, take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey, what's up, Chicago friends? If you are in the Andersonville area and want to check out a really cool comic book shop, head on over to Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you're into comics, magna, gaming, and all the cool stuff, Alley Cat Comics is the place to be. Gotta love Celine and the rest of the gang over at Alley Cat Comics. Pick up your gaming supplies, set aside your comic books, grab the latest Star Wars and Marvel books, or give them a call at 773-907-3404. And tell them the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast sent you. Oh, yeah. Alley Cat Comics in Chicago. It's where the cool cats hang. See what I did there? All right, friends, time to say thank you and acknowledge all the wonderful souls that help keep the lights on over here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thanks. We're super lucky to have you. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons, Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Can't forget our other patrons, Rogue One Radio. Thank you, D. DJ Steve and Nicole. And check out Comics and Cosmetics. Danny's got some lovely takes on comics and uh, cosmetics. Go subscribe to her show. Our Miami pal, The Frank. What's up, Frank? And Joey Rosales, longtime supporter of The Scuttlebutt. Thank you, kind sir. Massive shout out to my co-host and mistress of the dark, Chantel of Scarif After Dark. And the ever so wonderful Belinda. Thank you so much, and I'm glad you're on this list. Big thanks to our other friends, Alex and Jay, and our resident classic Hollywood expert, one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. And we are back. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We uh, yeah, had a nice little conversation. Usually I want to warm up, but uh, that was like almost half an hour of a warm up. <laughs> um, we, uh, we had a lot to say, but uh, let's get into the main topic. Um, our top five heroes, uh, best heroes of all time in movies. Um, you know, at, at first I wanted to say 
um, within the last, like, I don't know, movies in the last 10 years, but let's uh, throw everything in. And uh, I, I did um, kind of change that to all time because uh, I think there are some really great uh, movie heroes out there. And uh, I wanted to see if, uh, if our, if our lists matched. Um, and, you know, I, I posted this question on Twitter. We got some, you know, really good ones as well. Um, contributions from Melanie Marquita are one of our patrons. And we got uh, Nick saying, uh, you know, a couple of characters there. Somebody just posted that uh, they basically just asked their, their son and Han Solo was, was in their list. Um, mm -hmm. So absolutely. But uh, top five heroes in movies of all time. This is exciting. Uh, who wants to start? And I, I have a list, but it's, it's really in no particular order. Yeah. But uh, Andrew, what about you? You want to start? We'll start this. Sure, one. sure. Um, so I mean, the one for me, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw it. Out. I know this is on everybody's list. Is is Luke Skywalker? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, old Luke. Luke is the quintessential hero. He even even if you consider like I have to I have to just kind of like shove some of what happened with him in the last <laughs> Jedi side. But but shove we, it aside. Put it under we, the rug. If we shove jerk Luke aside for a minute <laughs> and look at even Luke's last action is that he's, he, he does the thing that that's the hardest. He, he sets aside his own life. He, he gives his own life for his friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, a little, a little too late though, but, okay. little, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, and then that, that's the Skywalker story. I've I've talked about that repeatedly. It's the story of self-sacrifice. If you go right. through the Skywalkers all the way through. Um, but Luke is, you know, as far as most influential uh, for me, like, I mean, pop culture wise, he's, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like who's there's a couple others that I, I don't want to say he's the biggest because there are a couple others that I sure. know are going to be on this. They're going to get brought up here, but uh, Luke is a really, really big one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, ever since we first saw him and then obviously everybody talks about him looking off into the horizon into the two suns, um, you know, it's a very inspirational shot uh, right yeah. in the middle of, you know, middle of the first half of the movie there. Mm -hmm. You know, George takes a little breather and, um, you know, it really it represents a lot. It represents uh, his journey or the beginning of his journey. We don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the movie. And, um, you know as we obviously, as we know, we're talking about Luke Skywalker since, uh, 1977, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Luke Skywalker is definitely, uh, on everyone's list. Yeah. Right. Marisha? But it was one of those that, <laughs> that like Luke is, um, you know, what I looked for in this list was characters that inspire you to be better. And, and Luke is way up that list. Now, oddly enough, I did look at AFI's like 100 years of heroes, their AFI's list. Mm -hmm. And Luke is not on that list. It's 50 characters long. There are two Star Wars characters on it, and neither of them are Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I think I looked at the same list. I'm like, what? Yeah. Who do you got, Marcia? Um, Okay, well, since Andrew went with... Uh, yeah, he Luke took Skywalker. all of our. He took he took Luke <laughs> right off of all, all of our lists. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna shake it up a little bit. I'm going to go. Um, Errol Flynn is Robin Hood. Okay. I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, Robin Hood's like the, the quintessential good guy, right? Right. And, and well, and unless you're out there reading, unless you're out there reading the old, old versions of Robin Hood, this Errol Flynn's Robin Hood is the version that you, you have in your head. Oh, yeah. Everything right. since has mimicked all, all, all the everything every portrayal of robin hood since that his his since that since errol flynn's portrayal has either been an imitation an homage or a we're not doing that (laughs) you know or they they pointedly made it different um and i mean he's just i don't know if you've ever seen it but um you know he's he's snarky and he's funny and he's you know swaggers and you know robs from the rich to feed the poor and you right. know like I mean what could be more heroic than than Robin Hood so I mean you you said you know his tag that's the tagline steal from the rich and give to the poor I mean yeah. everybody you say that everybody knows oh yeah Robin Hood yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah so. absolutely um, so I've got. Um, you brought in um, Robin Hood from that era. I'm going to uh, also bring someone in from from the 1940s. Uh, character played by Tyrone Power, um, Zorro. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think he's uh, he's very similar to uh, mm-hmm. to Robin Hood. Um, back in the day, uh, you know, everybody again. You know, I think these characters um, set a benchmark for uh for that type of archetype Mm -hmm. and uh you know robin hood obviously is one of them zorro is is another one but very similar characters as uh you know fighting corruption fighting Mm -hmm. the um the establishment to uh you know to raise the uh the little guy from poverty etc etc yeah so yeah tyrone power 1940 zorro yeah, Zorro's a good one because Zorro, like Luke, we do the hero's journey with Luke. He's just like the hero that never set out to be a hero. Right. Robin Hood, the story is that he comes home, he's lost everything, but he's going to do, he's going to fight to take it back and to help the people who've been wrong. Which is a similar, you know. But Zorro he's has- lost everything. Yeah. Zorro has everything. Uh-huh. Mm. You know, Batman is based on Zorro. Sure. Like, so Zorro has everything. He can just sit this out. He doesn't have right. to get involved, but mm-hmm. he takes it all. He risks it all to help the little guy. Right. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Who's got another one? I think Andrew's next. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of good ones. I'm going to go with a modern one here. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. because it's been, you know, talking about the last 10 years as 12 years of buildup, I'm going to go with Tony Stark, Iron Man. Okay. Um, yeah. Because they did so perfectly what Stan Lee set out to do when he created the character. Like, you know, you start at that first movie and he's a, he's a womanizer and he's arrogant and he's all these things. And he's a little bit Zorro too. He is, but it's <laughs> like, you have this thing where, you know, Stan Lee was challenged to create a character that nobody should like, but everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was Iron Man. And I feel like they translated that idea really well to screen and turning him from that guy that nobody should really like into the hero that, you know, you go all the way back to the first time him and I, you know, pretty much the first time him and Captain America are talking and Captain America tells him, you're not the one to make the sacrifice play. Yeah. And that ends up being his whole story is making the sacrifice play. Sure. Um, 
And so as a more modern one, he's like, because those movies have been so wildly successful, I would say in the pop culture, he's joined that, that upper tier of, of recognizable heroes, sacrificing heroes. And it's funny because when, when the, when the movie was announced, you know, and you know, as, as a Marvel comics guy, you know, I, I knew who Iron Man was. I knew who Tony Stark was, but he was still kind of, uh, I don't want to say a background character, but he wasn't like Captain America. He wasn't like Spider-Man. Yeah. He was uh he was a drunk philanthropist. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to love somebody like that? And you're right. It's, um, you know, again, just great storytelling all around. All right, Marisha, what do you got? I've got um, Oscar, Sh- uh, Oscar Schindler. Oh yeah. He's on my list. list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's he's another one who um, shouldn't be likable. But, you know, in spite of, you know, being less than a good person yeah. um, for 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 much of his life, when it finally comes down to it really does. I mean, w- when you look at at the potential fallout of you're smuggling Jews out of not out of, you know, concentration camps, it's it's staggering. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Oscar Schindler, um, and the and, and the and motivation. As oh, sure. Yeah. Speaking of Liam Neeson, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> such a such a phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he's one that that set aside his own greed and wants mm-hmm. right. to do a good thing. Yeah, and and it would and it would have been so easy to to just not right. So many people just were like, "Oh no, we had no idea." Right. That was just sort of the line that the whole country just sort of spat out whenever the rest of the world went, what the hell, you know, it it would have been so easy for him to pretend like he didn't see and to not just to not. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I I think characters like that, um, both in fiction and real life, obviously, um, are very, um, like you said earlier, they're, they're very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, despite the fact that you could just sit on your laurels and do nothing or ignore the problem, you know, you, you, you face it head on. And I think, you know, whether, you know, I, I don't think any one person sets out to be a hero. It's just through their actions. Yeah. Um, you know, your actions define you as one. And uh, Oscar Schindler for sure is, is, is one of them. Um, you know, the 1940s was a very interesting time for heroes and I'm going to go, uh, with another 1940s, um, pick, but, uh, my pick is non-human. I'm going to go with Lassie of all the Lassie movies Mm -hmm. and, uh, played brilliantly by pal, the dog, 1943. Yeah, that's great. I've actually never seen Lassie, but I'm familiar. (laughs) everybody's familiar with lassie <laughs> yeah <laughs> whether whether you've seen it or not it's one of those yes. you know pop culture things i guess yeah yeah timmy, absolutely the well timmy, and right the last, timmy. Last. <laughs> exactly everybody knows poor old timmy yeah. when, are they gonna, when are you gonna get that kid out of that well no no bless his I, heart yeah. <laughs> i always felt like the the show dinosaurs had a play on that where i don't know if you remember there was the show they would watch on tv that was uh, the the scientist that was always doing experiments, and he would his his assistant was Timmy, 
Oh, and he okay. would always blow up Timmy or uh, something terrible would always happen to Timmy. <laughs> and so it always ended with, we're going to need another Timmy. That's funny. You know, I've got a couple of honorable mentions. Um, and, uh, you know, these are, there are two here that, um, that uh, are real life uh, people that were portrayed in movies. And going back to the whole unionizing discussion we had earlier on, um, Sally Field played a, 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 a union activist, Norma Ray Webster. Mm. Huh. Um, and I think uh, Sally Field did a phenomenal job. Again, another um, character in a movie that was based in, in real life, Aaron Brockovich, played by Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. is another um, honorable mention that I have. And obviously these two people, uh, you know, were interested in making the lives of other people just a little better, mm-hmm. um, you know, by saving, you know, environment, saving, you know, making sure that they worked in, you know, safe conditions, et cetera, et cetera. I think, uh, you know, these characters based on real people um, and the movies that uh, portray their stories um those are pretty good a couple yeah. of honorable mentions for for me yeah andrew you're up oh i'm up uh so i'm gonna go ahead and pull superman yes um i specifically like i think there have been a number of good iterations of superman but you know, when I think about the character, the first character, the first version of the character that always comes to mind is Christopher Reeve. Absolutely. Good old Kal-El. I mean, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's it's again, every iteration since has either tried to emulate it sure. or made a point that there's something different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a character. It's, you know, and a lot of people claim Superman's boring, right? Same thing they say about Captain America because they're just, you know, too he's powerful, big, right? Well, and he's, he's too powerful too and he's too good. He's just, yeah. the, he's the big blue boy scout. Right. You know, he's, but I think that, you know, at the same time, it, it's, it's interesting. And to have a character who's always seeks to do the right thing. Sure. Uh, especially in today's world, I guess. And I think that's where the lessons um, get played out. I think, uh, you know, when, uh, when you, when you think about a character like that, you know, going around and, and, you know, being a boy scout, I mean, it's that in itself is difficult to do in a world that in such a world that we live in. Uh Um, But, you know, those are, I think those are why these stories exist to be able to teach us, uh, you know, I guess a, a different way or yeah. a way really to, to strive for. And I, you know, I was watching, I was doing a, a rewatch uh, a couple of weeks ago. I popped in the, you know, the first Superman and obviously the second Superman is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, sequels that are better or equally good as, as the original movies. I mean, Superman two. Um, but then I also popped in uh, Superman three with Richard Pryor. Which, you know, it's as as the movies, as the Superman movies got, you know, higher in numbers there, the the sequels, the spin-offs, whatever, 
Um, they got progressively worse, but even Superman three with Richard Pryor, there's something about Chris Reeve as that character unmatched, man. Even in the just, bad movies, it's just, you just believe him. Yeah. You believe every bit of it. Yeah. Um, you believe that this character is, could be real. And you believe that this character is every bit as good as he's portrayed. Uh, and I think that that's important, you know, right. We live in a time where everybody wants something in the gray, you know, they want yeah. their, they want their, their good guys to be a little, a little dark and they want their bad guys to be a little, a little light. And, you know, so, you know, I think that it's important. I think if you look at the history of storytelling, I'm fine with gray areas, gray area storytelling, but not at the expense of good versus evil storytelling. Yeah. Uh, a good versus evil storytelling is inherent. And that's when we look at this list, it's inherent to who we are. It's why a character like Luke Skywalker is so popular. It's a, it's, and it's why a character like Superman remains so popular. Um, is that it's it, it harkens back to an older type of storytelling, a fairy tale. Sure. Yeah. Good yeah. People are good. We're, and- we're good and evil. They're not. You're you're not going to mix them up, and you're not going to be unsure whether your character's a good guy or not. And you know? and ultimately, honestly, like from the perspective, like the potential real world perspective of all these people, like I'd much rather see. Superman show up if something's going bad than Wolverine. You know, just because you know what Superman's going to do, right. he's going to save the maximum number of people possible. If my train's going over <laughs> the cliff, I want to see Superman show up. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and there there's something I think about that, you know, just Right. I mean, Brad and I, Brad and I did an episode a couple of uh, months ago regarding, you know, bad guys and just letting bad guys be bad guys. And what Mm -hmm. is it with all this, uh, you know, this uh, gray bad guy, the redemption arc. And I, you know, obviously Star Wars is, is, you know, not uh, guilt less, uh, you know, holding the, the idea of redemption. Um, Right. And it's important. But but the idea of, but the idea of redemption is different than, than than your character. I, I think that sometimes we're just don't want the character to be evil. We want to make our bad guy relatable. Mm, and and yeah. Star Wars, Star Wars does redemption well, but it also has maybe one of the biggest TV or movie villains of all time that's just evil. Sure. And Palpatine. So I have a hard time throwing at least the original Star Wars, the the original six into that category because I do feel like the good guys are, are good, but that, that fall away in redemption, but they weren't, they weren't really gray. There's no period where he's like, I'm, you know, where you're not sure about them. There's a line that they cross, but there's never, it, it's to try to, you know, it's, it's trying to make every bad guy relatable is right, just a little yeah. much. Sure. Palpatine having a family, a wife. Right. Yeah. No, we just don't need it. <laughs> i'm like can you imagine palpatine pal honey palps can you throw out the garbage <laughs> yeah it yeah. doesn't really work for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. right um let's see i'm going to throw in um again just uh you know another character that uh is very similar 
I guess, to to Luke Skywalker in the way, and I guess all heroes, in a way where they kind of rise from the bottom. They um, explore who they are. And, uh, you know, I'm not into sports movies, but um, a character like Rocky Balboa yeah. certainly, um, you know, I think gets a nod in 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 this uh, show. I think from uh, from the time that we learn, you know, and again, I mean, you know, just a little bit uh, the exploration of 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 self in a lot of these heroes and characters are 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 one aspect of the hero's journey that uh, intrigues me. Yeah. Um, because you know, as we grow older, we we do this retrospective look inside ourselves, and we we you know we step back and we take a look at our own journey and uh try to adapt you know every step of the way and hopefully learn um and i think that's one of the aspects of of these heroes that is uh very prevalent especially right. in movies when you take a character like rocky or really it's something that sports movies are actually really good at doing and sports yeah. do this in real life where people root for the underdog all the time oh sure and yeah. it, and it's a story like rocky it's about just it's about overcoming the odds Mm -hmm. it's like all the odds are stacked against you you're not supposed to win this but you'll do everything that you have to and everything that you can to to do it and to make it work yeah absolutely you're up marisha i'm up marisha all right um well i kept waiting for andrew to take this one <laughs> but he hasn't yet but you did take luke skywalker so i'm taking uh frodo baggins because <laughs> I mean, the, the all the things, right? He's he's good-hearted, and he's he does the right thing, even when it costs him everything. Even whenever he physically has and emotionally has no more left to give, he's still willing to do the thing. So, yeah, yeah. And Sam, you know. With his with his faithful Sam, because you know, they kind of they kind of got to go together a little bit. And I think it's um it's pretty cool that characters like that, um, when you look at heroes, a lot of heroes have that quality. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna throw in my 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 last one, and it was part of uh, what is this website that I was looking through? Um, Atticus Finch. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, played mm -hmm. by Gregory Peck. I mean, you know, there's a sense of purity, good yep. spirit. Nothing dissuades them. Um, and I, by them, I mean these heroes. And uh -huh. like you said uh, regarding the sports stories, you know, you're not supposed to be able to win this. Right. But you, you do your best and uh, you come out on top. Mm -hmm. And I think with characters like, you know, Atticus Finch, obviously, from the, uh, you know, the the, the book, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, I mean, mm -hmm. defending what's right. Uh, we see that, obviously, in, in, in many heroes, uh -huh. uh, being able to, you know, step up and represent someone with maybe not as loud a voice as, as, as yours. Mm -hmm. And Atticus Finch definitely, you know, even, you know, him being a, a lawyer there or whatever, uh, even being a father, 
um, teaching, teaching the little one what's right, what's wrong, and yeah. uh, a very peaceful explanation of uh, of the process that we see in the movie and in the in the book, obviously as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and the, and the will to to do the right thing when it costs you your reputation, right? And, when it costs yeah. you everything, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. So those are good ones. Any other uh, honorable mentions? Uh, yeah. As far as honorable mentions, I would say, uh, you know, I had Spartacus on my list, um, which is another one of those that's just so ingrained in the pop culture. We reference it. Even people have never seen that movie reference that movie. Um, Timmy, um, have you have you seen a grown man naked? How about gladiator movies? <laughs> um, you know, uh, let's see. I mean, we pretty much exhausted my list. I had Rick Blaine from Casablanca. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's an interesting one, but he's, he's a lit. So his is a little more interesting because where most of these we talked about are purely good. Like his is really gray mm-hmm. until he has to make the right decision. You know, it's, it's what I always talk about in star Wars where I don't like the, this, this idea of gray, where it's really more about, reaching a moment where you have to make a decision to be good or bad. And that's his story is one of, of he really wants to do the wrong thing. Like, and he spends most of the movie really wanting to do the wrong thing, but when it comes down to it, he does the right thing. Yeah. Um, Sounds like Han Solo. Yeah. Uh And, you know, so um, I've got Han, you know, Han Solo was at, at naming Han Solo would pretty much exhaust my list. Um, so those as kind of my honorable mentions. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's and see. It, uh, oh, God. No, I was going to ask uh, you, Marisha, okay. if you had any honorable mentions. Um, I had, I only got through three of mine, but I did still have a couple on here. So I have um, Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey and his oh, wonderful yeah. wife. Yeah. You know, the, um, the do-gooder, right? Sure. He's always the do-gooder and it always costs him. It keeps costing and costing all the things. So, um, you know, it, but he, he, he's an interesting one because it's like, he's kind of selfish, mm-hmm. like, but ultimately whenever push comes to shove, he will do the right thing. And I also had, um, Charlton Heston as Moses. Oh yeah. I, I almost wrote him down too. Yeah. Yeah, um, because, you know, independent of, you know, the the biblical figure, um, you know, the Ten Commandments is kind of its own thing culturally. And, you know, Charlton Heston is as Moses or, you know, the, 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 the other character that was the same one that he played later, which was Ben-Hur, mm-hmm. um, you know they were very, you know, the, the doing the, with the, the very doing the right thing, um, you know, characters in the, in the face of, okay. So Ben Hur didn't always do the right thing. So let's just stick with Moses. I was like, (laughs) as I started talking, I was like, no, really kind of like really similar characters, really different motivations. No, but, um, you know, the, the, you know, just the iconic, you know, uh, push for let, letting sure. my people go and um yeah so that's that was my uh again you know representing um you know someone that uh, a group 
or an individual that uh, isn't whose voice is not heard. Yeah. Um, and then getting back to Jimmy Stewart's character, I mean, you know, that's another example of a, a character that is, um, you know, finding himself uh, through yeah. the experiences that uh, that he's having. Um, and I think, you know, I, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion in our discussion here tonight that heroes, um, you know, like I said, no one starts out being a hero, but I think through the actions and experiences that we um, go through every day, um, those decisions, you, you know, um, those decisions are what, mm, I guess, the decisions you make are what make you a hero or not. Um, and through the actions of, of, of your, of those decisions, I think it's really cool that we've all started with Luke Skywalker. I think, uh, one of the things I wanted to do is, is find out, you know, overall, like which movie hero we all were thinking about when we came up with our mm -hmm. list. And it's really, um, obviously we're big star Wars nerds, but it's, it's really, yeah. uh, interesting that, uh, we all came up with Luke Skywalker right off at the top of the game here. Yeah. Um, was Superman on everybody's list? I think so. Initially he, uh, yeah. he was, on, he was definitely on my, my initial list. Yeah. But I, you know, it's, it's cool. It's like characters like that. And I think that's, um, uh -huh. you know, the, the ability to have a Luke Skywalker or a Superman, uh, someone that just believes in something so deeply uh -huh. that, um, you know, they're not really going to stray from, from that belief. Uh -huh. And obviously I think that is, uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons that, uh, folks that did not like the last Jedi kind of, uh, yeah. um, sunk their teeth into. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if, if we are bold enough to say that Luke Skywalker is the ultimate hero in movies of all time. But um, for the sake of both of these Star Wars podcasts, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> From the perspective of a Star Wars fan. <laughs> right, exactly. Luke Skywalker wins. Yeah. I'll never join you. If you only knew the power of the dark side. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We had some great characters and uh, I think we learned uh, what makes a hero. Yes. Any, uh, any of the final thoughts on heroes? We could use more of them in our oh. entertainment. And I mean, in the real yes, world, I guess. In the real world, for sure. <laughs> um, but also, I, you know, like we were talking, we, we kind of discussed it a little bit that there has been an increasing trend away from really heroic heroes into like, yeah he's cool but he's also a jackass you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of seems to be the the way that entertainment has been inter entertainment kind of yeah. is is and going it, yeah you know, we gotta and be edgier we gotta be different we gotta make superman broody right and you the know? question and, and the question i would pose to people who want all of their heroes that way is what effect do you think that will have on the real world Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, you know, some of that stuff spills into the real world. And then we For wonder sure. why we're a mess. Yeah. Why we're all cynical and depressed. Yeah. Hello. Wow. <laughs> absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. Um, let's uh, go around the table and do a little telling of where people can find you to say hello there. All right. You can find me on Instagram. I am princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I am P Padawans on Twitter. 
All right, and you can find both of our podcasts, the Science Fictionary Podcast and Coruscant Radio Underground, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Sci underscore Fictionary. Excellent. And both of us are part of the Red 5 family, the Red 5 network. Look for us and the rest of the gang at bio.link slash red5 and uh, the website red5network.com. Excellent. Marisha, Andrew, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure uh, hanging out with you and talking nerd stuff, uh, doing another top five. This was a lot of fun. If you guys agree or disagree with some of our picks or if you have your own, we'd like to know about them. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 773-234-8659. Or you can send us an audio clip over at the Scarif Scuttlebutt uh, email. It's uh, Scarif scuttlebutt at gmail.com check it out until next time this is Ro and my friends Marisha and Andrew I'll talk to you guys later and that's the scuttlebutt Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Just wanted to remind you all, we can be found wherever you find your other favorite shows. iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Backtracks FM, Podtail, Owltail, Google Podcast, and of course, our own Red5Network.com to name a few. And don't forget to drop us a voicemail at 773-234-8659, our Scuttlebutt hotline. We want to hear what's on your mind. Your call is very important to us. Let us know what you think of the show, what future topics we should tackle, or just to say, hello there. Please hold.